The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game Changing Women, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from powerful women leaders who will share their playbooks on how to manage smarter, be more successful, and change your game. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the game changers, I promise you're in the right place. The buzz today, it's a numbers game. What is she talking about? Let's get started. Here's the bad news. I don't know. Girls in the U.S. are more likely than boys to study algebra and pre-calculus, but here's the bad news. College women earn only 18% of undergraduate degrees, and they earn less than 4% of doctorate degrees in computer science and engineering. Big question. What? How can that be? Looks like it's heading in the right direction, but the facts don't prove it out. Here's even more questionable news. Women fill only 25% of jobs in technology fields, and women held only one-fifth, that's right, 20% of Fortune 250 CIO positions in 2012. That's just three years ago. That's Paltry? Pathetic? I don't know. Doesn't sound too good. It might be on the upswing, but it's certainly not where we'd like it to be. Here's a statement, a comment from Game Changing Women radio executive producer and SAP Chief Learning Officer Jenny Dearborn. She says, the need for more women in Silicon Valley is one reason that's kept me here. I love a good fight. Jenny Dearborn, yes, you do. And that's why she's sponsoring the series. So the questions on the table are, what challenges are awaiting women who want to enter the tech field today? What can they expect? What can they look out for? What hurdles do they have to be prepared to go over, under, or around? And how can we, we in general and other women, help improve chances of success for women new to the field? This is part two of a topic we covered back in April, and two of our three panelists from that show are with us again today. So let me get started introducing our panelists, and let's get this party started. First up, I'm pleased to welcome back Rathna Ketalea. She is the head of SAP Financial Services healthcare and utilities practice at TCS. And Rathna sent me a wonderful quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. Anybody scratching their head? You know Roosevelt well. If you're too young, Eleanor was an American politician, diplomat, activist, the longest serving first lady in the U.S. from 1933 to 1945. And her husband was Franklin D. Roosevelt, who held four terms as U.S. president. Here's the quote. You must do the thing you think you cannot do. Rathna, welcome back. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well, Bonnie. Thank you. Wonderful quote. I love it. It's time we get Eleanor Roosevelt back in the spotlight. She certainly was for so many years. So how does this quote relate to women in technology? And Our topic, by the way, is women in tech, decoding diversity in Silicon Valley and beyond. How would Eleanor feel about the statistics I just read, Rathna? So, I mean, Eleanor has been one of the greatest women leaders of all time, so... And, you know, I'm a huge fan of her, Bonnie. That's why I picked up uh, this quote. Um, I mean, 
uh, what is life without taking rest, right? It's, it's imperative for uh, success. Uh, we will talk about all the challenges we face, uh, you know, in the IT industry today for uh, women leaders. But then if we don't push ourselves out of our comfort zones and try and, you know, overcome those challenges, um, I think it will be hard for us also to, you know, get through all the, um, you know, the stigma, the challenges that we have in the society. So I, I just thought this, you know, resonated well with me today for the topic that we are discussing. Uh, personally, you know, I started my career over 15 years ago, uh, faced a lot of challenges, but then that's what kept me going, actually. Uh, it kept it very interesting and also, uh, you know, helped me push out of my, uh, you know, boundaries, uh, mm-hmm. try to go take up additional, you know, roles. Um, so I thought that's why I picked up this quote for today. Thank you, Rathna. A quick question or a comment from me. Do you think Eleanor would be talking today if she was here on the, and wouldn't it be wonderful to have her joining us today? Do you think Eleanor would be talking to the, I'll call it the, the male bastion of leadership in technology companies and saying, you must do the thing you cannot, you think you cannot do. You must start allowing that glass ceiling to be broken through. You must give more women the opportunity. Do you think she'd be talking to men as well as women who are wanting to achieve success in technology, Ratna? I, I think she would. Like I, if I remember, you know, I read a lot of history about her. I think she was one among the, uh, you know, women who actually advocated for expanded goals for women back in the days. Uh, she was one of the first speakers, uh, you know, who actually got paid for her lectures. And she did not, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just... Uh, educate the women. I think she stood in a male-dominated world back then and, you know, uh, helped uh, fight these causes. So I certainly think she would. Definitely. Good, good. I just wanted to get that on the table, that we're not just talking to women helping women, as I said in the opening. We're talking to everybody. Thank you, Rathna. Pleasure to have you back on the show. And let me welcome our newcomer today. She is Kinsey Ann Durham. She's, well, long bio here, software engineer at Go Spot Check. That's all one word in Denver, Colorado. She's a board member for Bridge Foundry. And that brings us back to Sarah Allen, who was on the panel in April. And Kinsey Ann is also co-founder of KUBMO and she's going to pronounce that for me in a second. But Kinsey sent me the following quote from Henry David Thoreau. You all know American author, poet, philosopher, abolitionist, naturalist. Did you know he was a tax resistor? Yes, he was. A development critic, a surveyor, historian, best known for his book, Walden, A Reflection Upon Simple Living in Natural Surroundings, etc., etc. Here's the quote. Go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Live the life you've imagined. I love it. Kinsey and Durham, welcome. How are you today? Well, how are you? Very well, thank you. Great quote from Thoreau. So how did Thoreau find himself on a show about women and technology? What would he say (laughs) today, Kinsey, really? (laughs) Well, I think this quote is really important for women looking to enter the tech industry um, or get started writing code for the first time without a, you know, technical background. This is a quote that really inspired me, and I have it on a magnet on my fridge, and Every day when I felt that, you know, things weren't going my way or, you know, facing these barriers, getting into the tech industry that I'm sure we'll talk about today, this is a quote that definitely helped me remember kind of what I was doing and why and to just keep going. Okay, thank you very much. And what would, what would Henry David Thoreau say about 
Going back to Eleanor Roosevelt's quote, do you think you would agree with her? Do the thing you think you cannot do to live yeah. the life of your dreams. Do you think he would say, ah, Eleanor, we've got together, get together for coffee. We're thinking about the same way of approaching the world. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. Uh, when Rathna was talking about her quote, I definitely um, felt the same way and agreed and felt simil- similarly on, you know, pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. And you're definitely going to do that being a woman in the tech industry right now. Thank you very much, Kinsey, and welcome. We're delighted to have you. And I just did a shout-out to Sarah Allen at Bridge Foundry on Twitter a few minutes ago, so tell her we said hi. And let's bring on our third panelist. She is Nicole McCabe, no stranger to Game Changers Radio. She is the Senior Director of Global Diversity and Inclusion at SAP. And Nicole has brought us a quote we've heard many times, but so applicable to today's topic. It's from Peter Drucker, the Austrian-born American management consultant, educator, and author. And the quote is very simple five words. Culture eats strategy for lunch. Nicole McCabe, welcome back. How are you today? Great, Bonnie. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks for joining us. So tell me, we're talking about, a lot of what we're talking about is culture, isn't it, Nicole? Corporate culture, tech culture, Fortune 250, Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 culture. What would Drucker say about all of this? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it, it doesn't matter uh, what level, how big the company is, how small. I think it, it comes down to culture, and a major component of that is uh, an inclusive culture, right? And if you're not really uh, including or hearing or um, capitalizing, I'll even say, on the talent that you have in your organization and building a culture where everybody can really, you know, thrive to their utmost potential, it doesn't matter what your product is or what your strategy is, you you will not be uh, as successful. So absolutely, I think it comes down to um, just building, you know, a culture that's inclusive of everyone. Nicole, do you think if we, we sat down with Peter Drucker, and by the way, he passed away in 2005, all three of our, our quoted sources are, are in the past. However, do you think he would sit down with some of today's top leaders in the tech industry and he would say, okay, guys, okay, gals, let's have a reality check here. You can have all the strategy, all the corporate hiring policies, all of the uh, training policies. You can have all the best intentions, but what is your corporate culture really all about? What's happening here? Do you think he would hold up that mirror to them to call and say, let's get real, guys. This just isn't working because of your culture. What do you think? I, I think absolutely, and I think even more so probably in technology where uh, the rate of innovation is just so rapid nowadays, right? Um, and we know that, that diverse perspectives play a huge role in that. So I think, you know, he would definitely look at them and say, you know, what is your culture? And really look at what you're creating, not just what mm-hmm. you're talking about um, or what you want your culture to be, it's time to really act and time to, to have that culture become a reality. Thank you. I, I think he would certainly, uh, he might even hit a couple of heads against the wall and say, wake up, <laughs> wake up, put your manuals and your handbooks away. This isn't working because you're not living the way you say you want your corporation to be. Thank you very much, Nicole. Thank you, all three of you. Guess what? It's time for that darling little part of our show where I ask the three of you, what's in your cup today? What are you drinking? And we get to learn a little bit about you. So, Rathna, where are you calling from and what are you drinking or what are you dreaming about drinking, Rathna? Oh, I'm calling from Los Angeles, and right now I'm drinking a sparkling tamarind iced tea. <laughs> um, oh, tell me, what does that taste like? Is that orangey, or what is, what's the flavor? It, you know, tamarind is actually a fruit. Uh, it's got a sweet and a sour taste. Uh, you know, I'm originally from India, and uh, tamarind is something that is, you know, very prominent in our uh, cooking. 
and i just recently uh, you know discovered that even south americans use that for uh, you know cooking but i was introduced to this drink uh, you know recently when i uh, visited a sri lankan uh, restaurant and i just mm-hmm. got uh, you know addicted to it pretty much it's actually very um, uh, got that sweet and sour taste like quite orangey i mean in a tangy mm-hmm. way but then it's got that uh, natural sweet taste as well very interesting. I just Googled it. And by the way, for our listeners, tamarind is spelled T-A-M-A-R-I-N-D, like tamarind. Uh, if you Google tamarind iced tea, you get a sparkling tamarind tea recipe on Epicurious. You get a, a article from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel Ratna called Tamarind Adds Twist to Iced Tea. You get an article from OneHungryMama.com at Last Sips of Summer Tamarind Iced Tea. And you get another one at RachelCooksTie.com. Rachel Cooks Thai Tamarind Drink Nam Makam, etc., etc., etc. So it's very easy to find recipes. They also call it the perfect puree of Napa Valley. Did you know that? Oh, Ratha? that I didn't know. <laughs> wow, and the recipe is one ounce of agave syrup, one lemon wedge juiced, and you combine the tamarind puree, tea, agave, and lemon in a glass, stir, and fill with ice. Ooh, that sounds good. I'm going to go get me one after the show. Thank you very much. <laughs> that was exciting. Never had that before. Kinsey and Durham, what are you drinking or what are you thinking about drinking? Um, I'm actually drinking kombucha right now because we have it on tap where I work. What is it? Uh, uh, kombucha, have you, it's uh, K-O-M-B-U-C-H-A, and it's pretty popular here in Denver, in Boulder, you know, people who do yoga all the time, and that sort of thing, it's, uh, and now, you know, it's becoming trendy where companies and startups have it on tap. Interesting. That's a new one. I don't think anybody in, in over five or six hundred Game Changers radio shows has mentioned it. I looked it up, wow. kombucha. Refers to any of a variety of fermented, lightly effervescent, sweetened black or green tea drinks commonly used as functional beverages for their unsubstantiated health benefits. Well, sounds like they have a lot of good stuff anyway. There are recipes online at thekitchenkitchen.com on how to make it, questions about its health benefits, and Russia's world's most dangerous Russian makes kombucha tea in solitary in U.S. Did you know that, Kinsey? Um, yeah, you know, there are definitely some things that say... Uh, you know, it may not be the best thing to drink, but um, I love it, and a lot of people here drink it. But, you know, at the same time, a lot of people claim that it can cure diseases, you know, and I don't know if I really believe that, but I really like the taste. Um, and, yeah, you can buy it like Whole Foods and in like a glass jar. It's pretty good if you haven't tried it. A lot of different flavors. Interesting. Well, this gentleman, this man named uh, Victor Bout, who is in solitary detention since 2008 in Thailand, is making, he's growing kombucha in his solitary prison cell. I'm just going to leave that one alone, but he just made the news today. That's interesting. So there's, there's a revolutionary drink for you, and we'll just go with that. Thank you, Kinsey. And Nicole McCabe, I can't ask you to top those two. Do you have anything new and different for us today, Nicole? <laughs> You know what, I, I don't, unfortunately. I mean, I, I always feel like I'm an underachiever when it comes to experimenting with new drinks. Um, so I am just trying to sip the last bit of summer here in the Philadelphia area. And, and for me, that's just a French vanilla iced coffee. So um, it's very plain, but it's what I drink in the summertime. And with summer winding down and kids going back to school, it's probably my last one for a while. 
Oh, you're very seasonal. Very interesting. I never thought about that. Well, I'm in New York, and it's another gorgeous day here, Nicole, and we had a beautiful weekend. And unfortunately, I'm a uh, U.S. Open addict, so I spend a lot of time indoors watching the, the biggies play their very dramatic sets and games this weekend. But I'm looking at it a beautiful day today or two. And as Rathna and Nicole know, but Kinsey doesn't know, they don't let Bonnie have caffeinated beverages on radio show days. So I'm just drinking water <laughs> with a very pretty green straw today. We'll leave it at that. You are listening to Game Changing Women Radio presented by SAP. And again, a shout out to our visionary sponsor, Jenny Dearborn, wherever you are. We're thinking of you. We're talking about you. And Jenny just tweeted that she's so proud to be a sponsor of this great series. And we're proving it again today with my wonderful panelist, Rathna Catalea from TCS, Kinsey and Durham from Go Spot Check and Cubmo and Bridge Foundry and Nicole McCabe at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Our topic today is a very important one. Whether you're a man, whether you're a woman, whether you're entering the workforce, whether you've been there for a long time, anything to do with technology, how do you decode diversity? How do you get more women in tech? Women are smart. They're savvy. They're driven. They have so much to add. Yes, we do. Why are they not earning more of the doctorates in computer science? Why are we not holding more of the CIO positions and other C-suite chairs at the table in big companies? This has to change. Let's see if we can solve it with some answers today. We'll be right back after the break. Don't even think of touching that mouse. That app, that dial. We'll be right back. Michael out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. For women, the pressure to achieve at work is stronger, the hours longer, and the struggle for respect and authority more complex than ever. You want guidance on how to succeed, and you are not alone. Tune in to hear today's powerful women leaders help you make sense of it all. They will get you thinking about how to manage smarter. They will analyze how you can change the game. And they will share their playbooks on how you can make it happen. Game Changing Women is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Listening to Game Changing Women, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show using Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Game Changing Women. We are. You're listening to Game Changing Women on Voice America, the business channel. And we're talking today about women in technology. It's such an important topic that this is part two of a show we did back in April, on April 14th to be specific of this year, Decoding Diversity in Silicon Valley and Beyond. We're going to start the roundtable with Rathna Ketalea at TCS. And Rathna sent me some notes about an article she recently read. The article was authored by Robin Hauser Reynolds, a director of a documentary looking at the gender gap. And in this article, Four Reasons Why Talented Women Are Shut Out of Technology, the Tech Field. Uh, the article was featured on ideas.tedted.com and it's it includes four reasons why women don't seem 
to flourish in the tech world. And I like the inclusion of don't seem to flourish. That may be another layer for our discussion. But Rathna, why don't you tell me, tell us, please, why this article is so important to you? And tell us what the keys are that Ms. Reynolds has shared in her article, please. Yeah, um, I, I think I uh, really like this article, um, uh, Bonnie, because, uh, you know, he just not talked about the challenges that uh, probably women face, be it with, uh, uh, you know, in terms of culture, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, the uh, role models in the industry and others. But it also talked about, uh, you know, what women need to actually do. Uh, I mean, just in terms of experiences that uh, other women shared. Uh, so I thought it was a well-rounded article which kind of reflected uh, with what I have gone through personally in my career. Um, I think some of the, uh, you know, one of the main things I feel, uh, Bonnie, is, I, you know, it's not just about having, um, you know, a change in the corporation or, uh, you know, it has to be a cultural shift. Per se, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one uh, uh, recent, uh, you know, news cast that I saw or a lot of news articles I saw was about Marissa Mayer, uh, you know, Yahoo uh, CEO, announcing her pregnancy and that she wanted to take a, you know, a pretty short break and come back so that, uh, you know, that was something that she announced. But it was interesting to observe, uh, you know, on the social media, there were people, you know, some people really congratulated her, some people were like, uh, you know, giving her criticism for probably not being a good mother. Um, so the stigma about, you know, stigma that we have in society of how, you know, women need to balance their, uh, be it work life or their, you know, family, family life has to change, I, you know, I've seen, uh, in order for, uh, you know, women to make more progress in this industry. So, um, uh, it is up to us, you know, if we want to take a longer break or a shorter break. Um, and, you know, I think the, uh, be it other women um, colleagues or be it, you know, male colleagues would have to work with us or understand the challenges that we go through. Um, so that's what I thought this article actually resonated very well with me once. Thank you very much, Rath. Now, I have the link, and I'm going to share it at hashtag SAP Radio, but I just want to read the first paragraph, the four reasons, as Rath said, are culture, few role models, poor pipeline, and sexism. But... Uh, I want to read the first one about culture. It's just a couple of sentences here. And when Nicole McCabe, when we get to you, we're going to go to Kinsey first. We get to you. I want you to comment on this culture. And here's the comment. First and foremost, this is a culture problem. The stereotype of a software engineer, and Kinsey, you're going to address this too, is a 25-year-old hoodie-clad dude who wears glasses. He is antisocial. He loves to hack strings of code in the basement of his parents' home. He eats stale pizza and he drinks Red Bull until 3 or 4 in the morning. As with all stereotypes, there is some truth here and it's not the most aspirational image for a young woman. Let me just stop right there. So, Kinsey, do you know anybody like this who's who's a female in that hoodie drinking Red Bull? To f- I don't know what's really wrong with that, but is that going to turn off young women if that's a stereotype? What do you think? Yeah, and that was definitely something that played a role in my personal journey. You know, uh, I was scared to get started and kind of jump in and learn code because all that I saw around me were a bunch of dudes that fit that stereotype. Um, 
But I think it's really cool now. There are these awesome like social media campaigns, things like I Look Like an Engineer. I don't know if any of you have mm-hmm. been following that um, on Twitter, and they're trying yes. to get a billboard in San Francisco. And it's just been so inspiring and amazing to see all different kinds of people, you know, not just women, but people from different races, different countries, um, different socioeconomic backgrounds, uh, tweeting their stories and their pictures and proving that the stereotype is, you know, slowly but surely being broken. Mm-hmm. And I am here on, I Googled it, and yes, we've talked about that on previous shows. Uh, I Look Like an Engineer campaign is hitting the highway in Silicon Valley. The social media movement to combat stereotypes may soon get its own freeway billboard. Nicole McCabe, have you see, you must be aware of this. What do you think? Stereotypes, culture? Yep, absolutely. And I think, um, I, I couldn't agree more with Kinsey. I think uh, the more that you talk about the stereotype, um, the more it becomes a reality. So, I, I mean, I love the fact that I look like an engineer is taking off because I do think that it's, it's shedding light and breaking the discussion away from here, is, you know, from a stereotype perspective, here's what a developer looks like, here's what an engineer looks like, right, um, and really creating it in a, in a real um, way to say, no, that's not, it doesn't meet the stereotype, here's what I look like, and creating that individuality um, as opposed to the stereotype, which I do think, you know, going back to the article in the culture is, is something that's um, impeding, really, progress being made uh, in this area within tech companies, for sure. Interesting. I've, I wonder if these stereo- when these stereotypes took root. I, as uh, Nicole may know about me, and Rathna may remember from the first one, I was a trained mainframe programmer, a coder, big time uh, COBOL and other languages back in the, in the late 70s. And I took my classes after my bachelor's degree in psychology. I went to a community college and I took two years of intense tech knowledge training and became, I got two degrees, one in, uh, let's see, it was uh, associate of science in programming and one in operations. And our class was at least 50% women. And we came from every walk of life. I was a newly divorced single mom with no career. We had people who had not wanted to pursue a career in architecture and medicine and engineering. And we were such a a motley crew of people from all walks of life. We didn't know any better. We didn't know that we were supposed to wear, I don't know, did they have hoodies in 1978? I'm not sure. You know, we were just a bunch of people who thought that technology and coding was really fun and cool. And we all graduated with great degrees. And I think many of us went on to that. So, Nicole, any thoughts on that? Was I before this, this shift in the, the culture and the sexism, I didn't have any trouble getting a job. Did I beat this curve before it started? <laughs> I, I think you may have, Bonnie, but I think uh, more than anything, there's such uh, the, the rate of technology and the innovations that we're seeing are it's so fast moving, right? And we're, we, mm-hmm. we've seen sort of the, the, co- the college dropout create billion dollar companies, right? Yes. Um, and yes. I think when you see that success and you know, everybody dreams of having that product, I think, where they've developed it and see it be able to go on to become a billion dollar um, and multi-billion dollar company, right? And the more you see certain ones be successful, I think that the stereotypes are latched on. Um, and, and I would even go so far to say is that it's not just, you know, we're talking about women today, but it's not just about women. We also see that in generational, right? Because Yes, we expect um, the tech person to be wearing, you know, the hoodie and antisocial and, and creating code in his parents' basement. Um, but then there's also a generational component where, uh, you know, people 
I'll say in my generation, so I'll date myself, uh, but Gen Y, you know, we were very much around you wear business suits, right? And that's how mm-hmm. you're professional. Um, yep. So even that switch in mindset to say, oh, you're wearing a business suit, you must not be innovative, <laughs> right? Because you're in a business suit. <laughs> um, and you're not in the hoodie. And where is your hoodie and jeans and, and all that? Got so it. I think it, it, it extends not only to women, but also across generation when we talk about, you know, the hoodies and the, the antisocial. So let's ask Kinsey. Kinsey, I just Googled Kubmo, Women for Mobile Change. You're the CEO and developer. And here in your bio, you're a Ruby and Android developer for Gospacek in Denver. On the already, uh, we mentioned on the board of Bridge Foundry. So Kinsey, what's are how are you dealing with this stereotype? Do you own a lot of hoodies in different colors, or or do you just basically uh, you have an office instead of working out of somebody's basement? What's your how do you either participate or or thumb your nose at at the stereotype we just talked about? Um, well, some, you know, I do own hoodies. I think they're very comfortable, but I'm definitely very, you know, very feminine. I love wearing, you know, wedges and dresses to work and, um, you know, still being myself. And, you know, I am the only female on an all-male engineering team. So I definitely feel like I stick out sometimes, not only because of, you know, my gender difference, but also the way I dress. Um, but I think that's okay. And I think the more... We can do that. And, you know, I've read a lot of articles about women feeling like they needed to wear, you know, jeans and T-shirts and hoodies in order to feel like they fit in with their male counterparts. And I definitely don't feel like that. Um, I would just wear jeans and a hoodie if I felt like it that day. I felt like being comfortable. So... I love that. Good, great answer. Rathna, I want, this was your topic. Uh, a great start to the roundtable. Rathna, comments on what Nicole shared and Kinsey's POV. What do you think? Oh, I am exactly like Kinsey. I actually love to dress uh, dress up, uh, but there are days when I do want to like dress up. Probably in hoodies, I do. I just don't care. Uh, but uh, I, I think you know both what Nicole and uh, Kinsey said. That's very true, especially uh, you know both the gender bias or even the generation bias. That's exactly right. I do have uh, you know team members who are probably much older in uh, you know older in their age, but they want to still be coding, but there is this, uh, uh, you know, stereotype that it has to be a young, uh, you know, male. Uh, So I I totally agree with what both of them were just saying. Thank you very much. Kinsey Ann, I'm going to move on to some notes from the information you sent me before the show. We're talking about getting women into tech, but we're also talking about helping them succeed. How do you get them to stay there? And you've described this in your notes, Kinsey, very act astutely, um, aptly, I wanted to say, you say the barriers of getting women to stay in tech. It's an even bigger problem than getting them into tech in the first place becomes a, becomes a situation of the leaky bucket. We're doing all of this effort to get women into the tech field, but we're doing very little to ensure they succeed there. Over 56% of women leave tech and 97% of them are never coming back. I don't like those numbers at all. Kinsey, what do you think? What, what, what can we do? Yeah, so I recently did a bunch of research on this, actually, because I was presenting at uh, conferences uh, around the world on this topic, and, you know, I really think, like Nicole has said, that culture plays a huge part of this. It's the ability to have a flexible work schedule where you can maintain that work-life balance and feel like you can still be a good parent. Um, Also, just feeling like you are supported and that the company you're working for truly invests in your learning and wants you to succeed. Um, the 
Anita Borg Institute has done a lot of great research in this area, too. Um, and these numbers were actually from the Harvard Business Review a couple years ago. So I'm hoping that the statistics have gotten better. But definitely also an issue of women being pushed into less technical roles is something that I have experienced personally and seen a lot of other women uh, experience. Just because maybe we're better at talking to people, relating to people, and being pushed into roles that aren't as technical in order to, you know, hone in on those skills as well is something that I've um, researched and heard a lot about. Oh, it's those wonderful skills of nurturing and caring and speaking and making everybody feel included. Nicole, talk to me. What do you think? Yeah, no, I couldn't um, agree, agree more with what Kinsey's talking about. I mean, I think that we definitely have um, a retention issue. I mean, I love the comment about women being pushed into areas that, that are less technical. I've seen that certainly where we move them, leverage the technical um, expertise that they have and move them into roles maybe facing um, customers or maybe being the translation uh, between the, the developers and then also the business, right, because they do tend to be natural collaborators. Um, I think also, you know, a lot of women drop out when they're, when they're starting families. Um, I think you hit a, a, hit a point where, you know, do I want to focus on my family or do I want to um, go maybe work in an environment where I don't necessarily feel included um, or feel like an outsider? So I think I, I've seen a lot of drop-off around that particular area um, or chapter of life, I'll say. Um, and I think that that's something where we need to focus on, not just retaining the women, but also bringing the women uh, back that have left even, you know, whether it's to go raise their children or to go start their own companies. So I do um, think we need to focus on the retention and then also focus on ways to bring them back when they're, they've left in that mid-career level. Yep, very, very good point. Rathna, thoughts about this? How do we get them back? How do we get them to stay? How do we get us to stay? What do you think? So um, so I, I found this very interesting what uh, my organization has started doing, uh, and I think it's really helped a lot of women in our company. Um, so what we realized is I think if we are able to create policies or, uh, you know, support system, then, you know, women are going through different life, lifestyle changes or life cycle changes, sorry, and uh, their career progressions. Um, I think that will probably help us to uh, retain women uh, employees and also probably get them back. So a few things that, you know, I think what uh, we could look at is um, help carve out roles like uh, when, you know, people want to take a little bit of uh, break from, you know, a very aggressive or a very demanding role and then probably help them uh, be it with trainings or be it with, uh, uh, you know, uh, support system to bring them back and accelerate them back into some demanding roles. Um, and I'm, I mean, I think Nicole talked about it earlier in IT industry, innovation just doesn't stop. You know, every month there is something new. Uh, so, you know, giving that support system and probably educating them with the newer skills that come, if they do decide to take a break, uh, that would certainly help them. Uh, you know, motivate to come back to the workforce and be uh, uh, productive as just like, you know, other male counterparts or other women who have been continuing in their roles. Mm. Nicole, how does culture fit into this, getting them to come back after a leave? What do you think? What has to change? I think it's being more um, accepting, too, right, of people providing the flexibility is probably the best way to say it. 
Um, right. I think it's as you go in your career, you know, you don't necessarily um, want to be able to <laughs> living at the office for 20 hours um, every day. Right. So I think it is that sort of flexibility that that they can do just um, as great a job and even more so in that they do bring a tremendous amount of value um, and, and accepting providing that flexibility to make it work and to make sure that the individuals are comfortable and that their voices are heard because the minute you bring them back and they feel like they're not heard and that they're, you know, just a worker bee, you lose them again, right? So I think that that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a big component of it. Do, do you think that we're all, so many of us, Nicole and Arathna and Kinsey, so many of us are working remotely. You don't have to be in an office. You can be in your basement or your dining room or your attic or your bedroom on a computer somewhere. As long as you have connectivity and everybody can hear you and communicate with you, you don't have to be anywhere anymore. Do you think that's going to change and, and get and keep more women in tech? Anybody want to answer that? Who's, who's giggling? Oh. Whoever giggled, you talk yeah. first. Was that Rathna? <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, this is so, um, it's very, very rightly said, uh, Bonnie, uh, in our, at least in my teams, I did come across a lot of managers or supervisors in the past who were used to, you know, feeling comfortable, uh, you know, having to see me in person, right? So, uh, you know, our HR called it, you know, sensitizing our managers, you know, trying to tell them, you know, focus on the final quality, not on, you know, seeing, uh, you know, people, uh, right where you are, and it it did help me. Like I, uh, you know, I did not want to relocate once I got you know married or go for a you know weekly travel job. But having this option of being flexible and being wherever I can, um, it did help me to uh, continue in the role that I play today. So yeah. Interesting. Let's talk a little bit, continuing on culture, before I, I go to Nicole's statements, uh, I'm bringing up here in my notes a quote from Madeleine Albright. I think all three of you are familiar with it. It's, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. Do you think that this is a, going to you, Nicole, is it the males, the male who, males who dominate the leadership in these big companies? Is it really all up to them or are there women on the way up and down that ladder looking, peeking into and near that glass ceiling? Whose job is it anyway? Is it everybody's job or where does the burden of the help fall in terms of getting women to stay or come back into tech? Any thoughts on that? So, so that's a great question, Bonnie. And I think um, it falls on everyone, quite honestly, mm-hmm. right? We, we've sort of probably all seen the research. Um, around men as advocates, right? If, me, if the men aren't helping to drive change, to embrace inclusion, to be advocates, you know, for diversity, um, because they're the majority, you're not going to see a tremendous amount of change. Likewise, you know, for the women that we always call it care, right? We always encourage at SAP our executive women um, and women at every level, quite frankly, to have care for one another, which means to move away from that mentality of there's only so much room at the top or I shattered the glass ceiling, I'm not sharing with you how I did that, right? I'm not sharing mm-hmm. with you my networks. Um, and really tries to promote that, that trust at all levels and, and really supporting every woman's development uh, at SAP because the future leaders here are, are the ones that are just starting out, right? So ensuring that That's we right. have that care. And then thirdly, I think it's up to the women. I think it's up to, to each individual person, just as you would for your own career development, not be reliant on your manager, but you have to take ownership. You have to know 
where you want to go and when there's obstacles, you know, how to best deal with those. Um, so I think it's actually a combination of the, the three and everyone's accountable. Um, some might be bigger influencers than others, certainly, um, but I think it's a combination of those three. Thank you. Kinsey, thoughts on that? Men, women, does it fall to everybody? Whose job is it anyway? Yeah, I definitely agree with Nicole in that it falls on everyone. And a lot of times I've read things or heard things where it's really calling men out and alienating them and blaming them for everything. And, you know, that doesn't make them feel good and it doesn't make them feel like they want to help. So I agree that it's really important that they become a part of the conversation and that we all work together as a united front Um, both men and women together to change and fix this problem. Um, Because if it's just the women, you know, change isn't going to happen. That's right. And, you know, I've definitely felt in my career also women who I felt that were role models but were not helpful at all. And it did seem like, oh, there's only room for, you know, one of us and it's going to be me and not you. So I definitely think that's a problem. So I think it's really cool that, you know, SAP is doing that and really encouraging women to support each other because otherwise the journey is going to be even that much more difficult. Exactly. Rathna, I want to get you in on this before I turn to some comments from Nicole McCabe. Rathna, any thoughts on this before we move on? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I completely agree with uh, Nicole and uh, Kinsey on this. One um, in my career over the last 15 years, uh, uh, I have been fortunate to have a lot of encouraging, uh, them, uh, you know, men managers who have actually motivated me to take roles. And like Nicole mm-hmm. said, it, it was up to me as well to take up something which uh, probably was uh, something different. Uh, I did have to push myself. And I did have a lot of women mentors or, you know, sponsors and role models too. Uh, so I believe, uh, you know, for me to get where I got, uh, I did have, have help from, you know, all these three, uh, including myself. So I totally agree with Nicole. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, going way back in time, I had a, a male manager who hired me at a correspondent bank, which was a banker's bank, not the kind you go up to and say, hey, I need to get a money order or cash a check. We were the behind-the-scenes bank for the banks of New York State. And he created a job for me called a systems liaison, and I thought it was a very interesting thing. He, he knew that I had several years of direct programming coding experience. He also knew that I talk to people and that I had a good way of communicating with people. So he set up a job where I would go around the company. We had several offices in Manhattan and speak to the different departments of the bank and say, what do you need? The coders in the IT department, we called them information systems in those days. What do you need the coders to create in terms of software that will help you do your job better? And then I went back and sat with the programmers and told them basically in English what the specs were of what the users in the company needed from them. So he took me as as kind of this middleman or middlewoman, if you will, and created a job where I was speaking to both sides because of my knowledge of communications as well as my knowledge of technology. What do you, Rathna, kind of interesting, right? Oh, it is. It's actually amazing. Yeah, it kind of was. It was amazing. <laughs> Considering the year was the early, in the mid-80s, it was, it was kind of amazing. That's right. Absolutely right. And then he sent me to a job fair and said, quick, hire 10 people. We're setting up a new department. And I didn't know what to do, so I went to the job fair and hired 10 people. And he said, okay, now you're the business operations manager, so I managed the new division. Then they said, oh, you're a COBOL programmer. Get out your silver book. We're giving you a dumb terminal. You're going to do all of our conversion programming for a turnkey banking system that we just sold to a bank. 
Bank in Flushing, Queens, because you know how to talk and you know how to write and you know how to code and you're saving us money, so you're going to do it all. So I was working like 16 hours a day on a Mac doing the marketing, all the writing and the promotions and doing the conversion coding. Kinsey, wow. you can probably get a, a big laugh out of that. This was in the mid-80s. Unbelievable. But I was, I was so, I had so mu- many different aspects of what I could bring to them. They decided, well, let's just use the heck out of her until we burn her out. And they almost did. Anyway, then they made me the, the director of marketing for the whole company. And that's a whole other story. So it was very, very interesting. However, Nicole McCabe, I want to talk about reality check here. I'm looking at your notes and this, this is going to sting a little bit. You wrote it, not going to sting you, but it's going to sting some of our listeners. You say, every time we see a woman presenting on a topic, I hear a woman in the audience say, it's great to see a woman up there, or gee, her dress is pretty, or maybe great shoes. I wonder where she got them, Nicole, because I think we've all done it. And you say we have to start looking at women and promoting women in the tech sector for their expertise and their skills, not just the fact that they're women. We can't diminish their value. Nicole, how do we get past this part of culture? Because we're kind of all stuck in it. So what do you, what do you suggest? I think we are, and I think that we need to um, remind ourselves of it and remind our, our colleagues of it, right? I mean, I know I've probably attended several presentations in the past several months, um, and the woman I'm sitting next to, that's one of the first comments that they'll make, mm-hmm. right? Oh, love the shoes, or oh, I almost bought that dress, right? Or I have that dress. Yep. Um, love yes. her haircut. You know, all those things um, that women, I think, just even we learn when we're girls. Right, um, mm-hmm. we're very yes. a little bit competitive. It's a little bit judgmental. Um, yes. So I think that that's sort of carried over into the workplace, and and the first thing we do is not always listen to what this extremely talented or brilliant, experienced woman is saying uh, for the content, but our first instinct tends to be to look at her her physical appearance, right? Um, and I think it's reminding each other, whether it's even a, a good laugh, like, hey, maybe you want to focus on the content instead of the shoes or something along those lines. And I always find it interesting that lately men have actually been calling it out to me. be great if I sat next to a woman that wasn't commenting on the shoes of the woman on the stage, right? Wow. Um, so I think it is going into that and, and serving as a reminder um, for us and a quick check that we have our own biases that come into play and that we do naturally, you know, look at those things, but we need to not do recognize it and move forward, right, um, and not, not let the biases come into play there. Interesting, Nicole. I remember a conversation earlier in my, I've been at SAP five years now, boy time flies and I am having fun. I remember a conversation with a, a man, we were talking about, oh, I don't know, paying attention or something, two presentations. We were putting together some kind of a, a presentation, nothing to do with way before SAP Radio, and he made a comment on a conference call that just shocked me. He said, there was a brilliant woman on stage at a major tech conference, and he and the audience were listening enraptured in, in at, at the brilliance and what she was saying, and then he noticed her suit. She had on the most amazingly tailored suit he had ever seen. It was crisp, the seams were straight, the buttons were gorgeous, and all he could think of was, damn, I wonder who her tailor is. And it wasn't an anti-woman thing. He just had never seen anybody present in such a an, a fashionable outfit that she took his his her her presence, physical presence, took his mind away from the topic, and he couldn't focus anymore. That's almost yep. like backwards. Re- what do you think, Nicole? What would you say? 
I, it doesn't make sense. I think it comes down to, you know, what I'm sure might have been on another radio show, which is, you know, presentation, right? Your personal branding. Yeah. Um, I think people, people uh, who look polished for whatever reason are put mm-hmm. on a higher uh, pedestal or even have, um, you know, just more credibility in general. You hear it a lot in the sales uh organization as well um, around the suits, the shoes, the watches. So it happens to men as well, um, I think. But certainly, you know, in this particular topic with this particular challenge, it just becomes even more, um, I think, important to to guard ourselves when we do have those sorts of thoughts and and start to reiterate the intelligence of the woman and the content of what she's saying. Exactly. Thank you. And that might be a topic for my coffee break show is how do you express your personal brand without distracting your audience from your message, which is why they're there. Ah, interesting, Nicole. You'll have to join me on that one. Rathna, talk to me. What do you think about presenting and women approaching women or men approaching women as, gee, great haircut. Now, what did she say 10 minutes ago? What's your experience, Rathna? Oh, oh, I, I, I think I'm, I'm probably guilty of doing that too, uh, <laughs> Bonnie. <laughs> and actually, Nicole did get me thinking, and um, I, I think she's really right. Uh, we do look at women probably, or at least I, you know, I'm guilty of looking at some really well-dressed women or somebody very fashionable probably to start with. And I think I do have to get over that and probably focus on the content. Yep. Yeah, I, I think it is. A, it's something we do. It's something you're right, Nicole. It's the way we were brought up. Kinsey, uh, get past the hoodies. Have you ever seen, ever sat next to a woman at a conference or seen a woman who was so extraordinarily dressed or groomed that you couldn't pay attention to what she was saying? Uh, yeah, and to be honest, for me, it's almost inspiring um, to ah, see other nice. women like that on stage talking about technical things at a tech conference really, you know, maybe be like, oh, look, there's someone else that I feel like I can relate to and look up to. And, you know, a lot of times I present and I wear a dress and I wear heels and I don't want to feel like I can't do that and be myself because it's distracting. Um, And I hope that it shows other women that they can be themselves on stage too. Um, You know, it's funny though because a lot of times you can't, where the microphone that they provide for you. So there's even biases in mm-hmm. kind of in that. You know, when I was wearing a dress and I had my hair down there, there was no way for me to click, clip on a microphone, which was interesting because um, they had never yep. had anyone, you know, wear a dress before. So, yeah, for me, having women on stage who don't look like the stereotypical developer is just inspiring for me. Yeah. You should see what I have to do to put on the microphone on my television show. I'm doing two shows tonight. I've been doing cable TV for about 20 years. And you should see, I tell everybody, turn around. I have to snake that microphone up in the bottom of my dress all the way to the top and find a place to put it and not bump into yeah. my jewelry because I have to wear a pretty necklace on. Anyway, that's another story. Rathna, <laughs> it is time for predictions. Ladies, I think we can give you each a full 90 seconds. So you know what this is all about. We're looking for what will change about this topic at some point in the future. I like the year 2020 because it just sounds so fun. It's only five years away. Rathna Ketalea, TCS, wonderful panelist. I know you have a future vision for this. What will happen at some point in the future in terms of decoding diversity in the tech industry, not just Silicon Valley and beyond, but everywhere, everywhere? Women in tech, how will the numbers change? What do you see in the future? Rathna, predictions, 90 seconds, go. Uh, I think things are really changing for the better. I think we have a lot of inspiring women. You know, right on this panel, we have 
you know, Kelsey, we have uh, uh, Nicole, Bonnie, yourself. Um, and I think even the companies are doing a lot of initiatives to uh, probably um, actively uh, promote this. Uh, for example, you know, even my company, I see that they have set a goal to probably double their women associates by 2020, uh, the number that you were asking for, Bonnie, and having mm-hmm. like over 1,000 women in leadership uh, positions. Um, I also see a lot of, uh, you know, good, uh, inspiring videos on social media, uh, like what um, uh, Kinsey talked about. We also see a lot of initiatives happening based on, you know, TED women uh, having some specific awards for, you know, top 50 most powerful women in IT. So there are things uh, that are happening. So I really hope uh, that this particular topic will no longer be a, uh, even a topic for discussion, whereas, you know, we might just look back on it as more of a history and see, okay, this is something that we discussed and these are the steps that we did to get here um, is what I hope in 2020. And, hey, we might also have a woman president by then. Bonnie. We just might. You don't know. It's pretty dicey out there right now. <laughs> we could also have a couple of maniacs as president, but I digress. Kinsey and Durham, such a fun show for you to join us today. Such an interesting com- conversation. Uh, Kinsey Ann, I can give you exactly 90 seconds for your predictions. Go. I agree with Rathna in that things are definitely improving and getting better. Um, I definitely still think there's a lot of work to do. But I definitely see in 2020, you know, having more equality and not having the abysmal numbers like, you know, 1.5% of open source contributors being women. Um, And I also would hope to see that women in developing countries really learning technical skills and being able to Mm. provide for their families and, you know, being the technical ones. And also, you know, getting rid of these stereotypes that we see every day, um, or hear about every day, and also the stories of the horrible things that happen to women, you know, on the internet, getting death threats and rape Mm -hmm. threats, and I think that should all hopefully change with things like this and raising awareness and campaigns like I Look Like an Engineer. Um, Also, just having more women learning, you know, a lot of the coding boot camps are predominantly women, so, or not predominantly, at least getting better, you know, 50-50 Um, Some aren't so good, but continuing to bring more women in and slowly they will work their way up the ranks and, you know, we will become an equal force in the tech industry. And that's something that I'm really, really excited about and really excited to watch. Thank you. And you're part of it. We applaud you for that. Nicole McCabe, I can give you exactly 90 seconds. Go ahead. Predict, please. Okay, great. Well, I mean, I, I agree. I agree with both and, and have the same vision. Um, I've been in my role now for three years, and I've certainly um, seen the conversation heat up and just seen a tremendous amount of um, change in just those short three years. So I think certainly by 2020, we will see more um, women in technology. We will see more girls, you know, going into technology as well. And and as Kinsey pointed out, you know, just the outreach that even companies are doing in underdeveloped countries. I do view technology as being a a ticket, quote, ticket, um, way out of poverty and a way for them to provide for their Mm -hmm. families and a way for them to have a career. Um, And I would even go so far as my vision or wish would be that we um, start to talk more about 
inclusion and, and less about mm-hmm. just the women in technology, but, but you know, we're so global now. Um, so that that starts to become a conversation and that we don't necessarily have to focus on the women in technology numbers because they've, they've gone up um, and they're heading in the right direction. They, do, they are starting to represent a large um, portion of the technical uh, specialists out there. So that would be my hope and my vision for 2020. Thank you very much, ladies. What a pleasure. Rathna Ketalea, TCS, Kinsey, and Durham at, well, what do you want to be? You want to be Ghost Spot Checker? You want to be Cubmo? Or you want to be Bridge Foundry? You want to be all three? She's all over the map. Thank you very much, Kinsey. And pleasure to meet you. Nicole McCabe, always pleasure to speak with you. I have to announce we've just launched, or we are launching this week, right after Labor Day here in the U.S., launching two new series, Social Selling with Game Changers, will now be on every week for the next 13 weeks, Tuesdays, 10 a.m. here on the Business Channel at World Talk Radio. And tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern, I'll be launching Game Changing HR. Our leaders, sponsored by SAP and ASUG. You want to hear an interesting talk about following the leaders in HR technology? We'll find out what the trends are. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you so much. And a shout-out always to our executive producer, Jenny Dearborn. Thank you to Michael and the Business Channel team. And here we go. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Watch a little tennis. It'll get you all shaken up. Go out and be a game changer today. Talk to you tomorrow on Coffee Break Radio. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Game Changing Women, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. We'll be right back.